What did change though for me is experiencing an avoidantly attached partner is that I started to create stories and make excuses for their behavior. Oh, they're busy. They have a life. They have a career. And those statements that you can make to yourself are great within the first few weeks. But if you start to see a pattern of behavior of like, hey, I've noticed it takes you two days to get back to me by text. It makes me feel like you're not that interested. Is there any truth to that? Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited to talk about one of my favorite topics that I've uncovered over the last three years of hosting the podcast and doing a deep dive into what modern relationships are all about. Today, we're going to be discussing dating multiple people from an attachment style perspective. So picture this, it's late in 2021. You're out there reconnecting in the world, the people in it, and all those possibilities that you've dreamt of over the last year. After way too much time on social media and being socially distanced, you and a lot of other people are hungry for conversation and closeness. One solution is dating multiple people, safely, of course. These days, dating more than one person at a time is not unusual. In fact, I'm willing to bet the trend will grow even bigger as soon as uh, shelter in place and lockdown ends. But how does dating multiple people actually sit with you? What would that really look like? That's something harder to nail down especially if you're unaware of your attachment style. So in today's episode, we'll dig into what dating more than one person looks like, but we'll do it through that lens of your attachment style. This will help focus your options, minimize discomfort, and optimize your dating strategy. Today, I'll quickly break down all four attachment styles and some ways they manifest. Then I'll lay down some specific advice for what to expect and how to process dating multiple people at the same time. As a caveat, there are two additional attachment styles that are being more thoroughly researched. We won't touch on those two today, but if you've heard me reference before on the podcast, I will touch on the disorganized attachment style, or otherwise known as fearful avoidant, which I most closely relate to. So what is an attachment style? One of my favorite topics to talk about on the podcast when I invite guests on, and I'm honored to go a little bit deeper into this conversation on this solo episode today. So a person's attachment style develops throughout their childhood. It's impacted the most by parents or their primary caregiver. It's something that affects every single relationship we have as adults and on every level. But in your romantic life, it affects everything from the kind of sex you crave to the way you break up with someone. There are four main kinds of attachment styles and originally popularized in America by Mary Ainsworth and then later on by Amir Levine in the book Attached among others. So some guests that we have on the podcast regularly that are experts in the attachment theory are Dr. Kristen Hick, Dr. Morgan Anderson, Dr. Shiva Asar, and so forth. If you need a resource, please don't hesitate to reach out because that is the number one reason why I began the podcast almost three years ago now is to connect our audience with experts, coaches, authors, speakers in the relationship world so that you have resources to reach out to when you have more questions. So back to attachment style. So each style is drawn to its opposite. Uh, so that means that someone with an anxious attachment style will often find themselves attracted to people with an avoidant attachment style, also known as the anxious avoidant trap. Let's get a little bit deeper and start with the anxious attachment style. Someone with an anxious attachment style often finds it hard to trust people, especially someone that they're vulnerable to, like romantic partners. 
This person craves affirmation, security, and validation from their partner because they're often worried on some level that their partner does not love them or that they may leave them. They might also be, feel dating someone with an attachment style too different from their own is boring. And I want to expand on that just a little bit. So they might actually find a securely attached person boring. However, when they find an avoidantly attached person, that's when the sparks fly. So that's something to be aware of, also known as the anxious avoidant trap, which I referenced earlier. So for the anxiously attached person, someone with a secure attachment style might even come across as extra suspicious, like almost too good to be true. And so we're going to start to look so deep and go into every nook and cranny of the relationship, trying to um, almost predict or almost in a self-fulfilling prophecy kind of way, sabotage the relationship. Can you relate to that at all? I know I can. There have been a couple of times in my life where I fell hard and I fell fast, and it was really, really hard for me to understand uh, where that was coming from because normally I lean more towards the avoidant attachment style. But because of that fearful avoidant and disorganized attachment style, I tend to swing like a pendulum swing back and forth. If my partner is avoidantly attached, I'll become a little bit more anxious speaking from where I'm at right now. In the past, I would have swung even further out to the side of anxiously attached. However, if my partner is anxiously attached, then I swing more towards the avoidantly attached side of the spectrum. And that's why dating for a fearful avoidant person or disorganizedly, disorganized attachment style can be very confusing. Like we're almost fighting the battle within ourselves. And then when we bring in a partner into that relationship, then we're also uncovering what their story is that they've created from their childhood and trying to align it with our own. But we oftentimes get confused and overwhelmed and frustrated with dating. So back to the anxious attachment style, understanding and becoming more self-aware of your attachment style. And if this style resonates with you, multiple dates with other people may be fine, but having multiple partners will probably create a lot of stress. And I'll add a caveat to that as well, because in our small group coaching program, if somebody is anxiously attached, uh, I will encourage them to slowly start up with whomever it is that they're dating. And oftentimes, if they're dating more than one person at a time, sometimes their fixation on one person is a little bit less of an experience than if you're just focusing on one relationship, one person. And that's kind of a natural way to approach self-regulation, self-soothing, um, maybe not becoming fixated on one person of like, oh, why don't they text me back? Uh, when am I going to see them again? Do they even like me? You know, those are some of the ruminating thoughts that go through an anxiously attached person's mind when they're dating one person. Spread that anxiety out over two to three people, and you can actually find yourself coming out on the other end with a healthier relationship because you start to spot the red flags being not fixated on one person, you're able to see the forest for the trees. I believe that's the expression. Double check me, message me on Instagram if I got that one wrong. I'm, I'm always open to um, growing and learning through the mistakes that I make in speaking on the podcast. So back to the anxiously attached person, the lack of exclusivity in dating multiple people can lead to feeling insecure or unstable in the relationship. So on some level, 
the anxiously attached may be worried a partner is giving the same validation and affection to other people. So if you're going to try dating multiple people and you're anxiously attached, I want to encourage you to make sure you're developing ways of affirming yourself, also known as self-regulation and self-soothing. Otherwise, the rush to seek out more and more people for more and more validation can lead to you picking people entirely wrong for you. Can you recall a time in your life when maybe you became fixated on somebody and it just felt like the anxiety wouldn't stop and it wouldn't go away? If so, don't hesitate to reach out because I can help walk you through that. Similar to the anxious attachment style, this style tends to distrust others. But instead of compensating by getting closer, the avoidant attachment types depend on distance for a sense of safety. People with this style might find it hard to emotionally connect with others. They might also find it hard to express their own needs in a relationship. On the surface, this seems like cool and easy independence, but studies have shown that there's a ton of internal stress going on. Avoidantly attached people commonly dwell on whatever issues there are in a relationship, but have trouble opening up about them. So it's almost as if like they're saying to themselves, when is the other shoe going to drop? And they will wind up fixating on some minor issue, which is then used to justify a breakup or emotional distance. So when I hear an anxiously attached person say something like, my partner is withholding sex from me, this is a big issue in the relationship of an anxious avoidant trap that needs to be made aware of. Once we're aware of it, then we can almost approach the conflict or approach the challenge in the relationship with more compassion and open mind because we understand what our partner is going through. However, when we're just starting out dating and we're dating more than one person at a time, those things can actually rise to the surface of like, hey, I've noticed that it takes you a couple of days to text me back. That makes me feel like you're not interested. Is there any truth to that? And if somebody gets defensive and reactive in that moment to that question, then if you're dating more than one person at a time, you can actually see that as a red flag and say, hey, maybe this isn't the right fit. Even though I saw a lot of potential there and I was hoping that there'd be a future there, I'm just kind of getting the sense that when you react in a defensive and reactive way, just doesn't seem like that's going to be the right fit for me now. And that's a great place to come from as far as our self-awareness and consciousness of what's going on around us. So back to the avoidantly attached person. They will end up fixating on some minor issue. Maybe it's more minor than the, the sexual intercourse frequency that's in your relationship. Maybe it's uh, something of like, you're always late or you're on your cell phone all the time, or your social media usage is, is not paying attention to the partner, but it's paying attention to everyone else. So the avoidantly attached, the avoidant attachment style will often find secure attachment styles too stable for their taste, even though that stability lets them keep their autonomy, which is kind of a double-edged sword there and another way to self-sabotage as the avoidantly attached person. Anxiously attached people, let's, uh, when an avoidant meets an anxious attached person, let's just say that that's a volatile mix and we'll refer back to the anxious avoidant trap. What's the verdict here? On one level, the avoidant attachment style has some advantages when dating multiple people. Men and women with this style prioritize freedom, autonomy, and options. That's their way of protecting themselves from hurt. 
This means they have little trouble ending a relationship that doesn't sit right or doesn't match their personality or the person is getting a little bit too close, too fast. That being said, if this is your kind of attachment, it's a good idea to balance sovereignty and intimacy in your relationships by leaning in. Additionally, learning how to express your emotional and physical needs will be a huge benefit for the avoidantly attached person. So let's just say that the avoidantly attached person is dating two or three people at a time, and that's to protect themselves, protect themselves from getting hurt again in a relationship. So while they're waiting for the shoe to drop on partner A, they're spending time with partner B. Uh, while they're waiting for partner B to become too clingy or to, to get too close or to want too deep of intimacy, they're spending time with partner C. And what may end up happening, not sure if you guys can experience this from the avoidantly attached perspective, or maybe you've dated somebody who's avoidantly attached in the past, is that that's their way of self-sabotaging themselves. So if they're spreading themselves thin between two or three partners, they have every excuse in the world of why it didn't work out with partner A. Oh, well, they can project it onto the other person and say it was all their fault. You know, this is where we could go down the, the thread of victimhood and projecting our experiences onto other people. However, let's just stay focused on dating multiple people from the avoidant attached lens. So to protect themselves from, from hurt and dating multiple people at one time, they can actually prove themselves right with the self-fulfilling prophecy that they have from the beginning of like, oh, every relationship's going to end anyways. I might as well end it first. I might as well put up this protective barrier between myself and another person so that I don't get hurt in the future. And I've spent many, many years experiencing dating and relationships from this place of like, sure, I'm absolutely willing to move in with a partner in the past, but if the intimacy got too deep in the household, whereas like the pressure to get married was there or the pressure to understand where this is going was, of course, you can imagine that it's going to come up more and more often the more distance I put between myself and my partner in the past. Well, that was my way of self-sabotaging and basically pushing the other person to the limits of like, you know what, I'm not getting my needs met. And it's a self-fulfilling prophecy for me of like, I'm not good enough. And so therefore my partner will eventually leave me. Why get too close? So that's a, a summary of the avoidantly attached person and a little bit of perspective of what happens when they date multiple people at the same time. So let's move on to disorganized attachment and fearful avoidant. Something that you've heard me mention on the podcast many, many times as I've become more clear and a better understanding of what this means in my life since last summer. So children who grew up learning this style can have a uniquely difficult time as adults. Disorganized attachment style can develop out of confusing or inconsistent parental reactions to the child's stress levels or enduring witnessing abuse and trauma. So when I heard that disorganized attachment came from enduring witnessing abuse and trauma, I'm like, things clicked for me. Okay. That's why I get confused and overwhelmed and frustrated in relationships. And that's why I swing back and forth from anxious to avoidant, depending on the polarity of my partner. So when I ended up meeting a couple of avoidant people in my past, I was surprised that I became anxiously attached to that person of like, 
oh, I could totally see myself marrying this person within the first few months. I could totally see abandoning my own boundary of saying, yeah, sure, I'll have kids with this person in the future. And that was simply just my anxious attachment style being activated. But since I wasn't so familiar with that experience, because I tend to uh, come at life more from the avoidantly attached um, standpoint, I was really confused about like, what the hell just happened there? You know, these relationships would be going strong for maybe six to six to eight weeks, and then kind of implode after that eight week mark of just like, so much misunderstanding of myself in the relationship, so much confusion and frustration and overwhelm on my part that it was like, again, self-sabotage by imploding, like wanting to spend more time with them or um, having protest behavior come up, which I wasn't familiar with at all. Protest behavior for the anxiously attached person could be that clinginess or that neediness, or we never hang out anymore, or you always prioritize your friends over me. Your behavior on social media is always paying attention to other people and not me. You know, so those are protest behaviors that come up. And that, that wasn't necessarily the language I was using when I experienced being in partnership with an avoidant attached partner. It was more so of just like me needing and wanting more time with them. And that's really confusing for an avoidantly attached person just to be thrust into an experience of anxiously attached which I'm grateful for now because it helps me walk our clients and our members of the small group through what it's like to be self-soothing, self-regulating, and coming out the other side of an anxiously attached uh, experience. So a person with disorganized attachment like myself craves love, affection, and intimacy, but is terrified of those things at the same time. In a dating scenario, this manifests most often as contradictory behavior. One minute, there's a hard boundary around quality time. The next, there's avoidance. And it can almost be like constant mixed signals for an anxiously attached person, um, like a trauma bond for somebody who's avoidantly attached with a disorganized attached where they have time of like seven to 10 days between even text messages or phone calls or dates where you might not hear for them from them, you thought that they ghosted you, but in actuality, they were just like submarine. <laughs> they were becoming a submarine where they were going deep down into their own psyche and their own shadow to recover from the intimacy that was experienced. Say like your second date is a Friday night and then you don't hear from them for seven days. Well, that's simply the disorganized attachment behavior and tendency to really just kind of withdraw when they feel something so intimate because it's unfamiliar to them, and yet they crave it at the same time. So this is because people with disorganized attachment see rejection, trauma, or pain as unavoidable, because they almost grew up it, with it. And they will sabotage relationships because they unconsciously assume things will fall apart anyway. So why not end it, or ruin it, or self-sabotage it before this person has a chance to do that for you? So here's the real talk for the disorganized attachment style. If you feel like this is your style, like it is mine, you and I will benefit most from learning how to identify and verbalize the feelings you're going through. Sit with it, experience it, welcome those emotions, welcome those feelings coming to you. Your trauma deserves to be healed. You deserve a life controlled by you, not the stories and events of your past.
I recommend placing extra emphasis on, on healthy dating habits. You can date multiple people, of course, but be mindful. Prioritize people with secure attachment since their stability and support will help you keep safe, will help you feel safe and heal your disorganized attachment style long-term. If you feel like that's an unmanageable or untenable goal, I want to speak from my own experience. If I can heal a disorganized attachment style, you can too. So let's finally close out our conversation today with secure attachment. Despite what you might have endured on your dating apps and dating multiple people at one time, the truth is that most people out there learn to secure attachment style, about 50% of the population. There's a lot of possibilities a secure style can bring to, to the dating experience. A securely attached person will be pretty selective with partners. They'll come out of the dating pool faster than the other three types. The securely attached person is flexible, self-aware, and will readily share their feelings. They trust their instincts and stick to the rules and boundaries they set with their partner, but are open to someone else providing input or healthy criticism. So if you're one of the other three attachment styles, anxious, avoidant, or disorganized, and the first two to three weeks of your dating experience with one person is going really, really well, and you feel like you're coming from a secure place, this is what it'll feel like. You'll feel flexible. You'll feel self-aware. You'll be conscious of what's coming up for you, and you will readily share your feelings with another person. If you're one of the other three attachment styles, here's what I want you to be conscious of, is that as soon as the partner starts to behave differently, that's when your attachment style becomes activated. So yes, when everything is lovey-dovey and going really, really well in the beginning, you may come at that relationship from a securely attached place. And that's amazing. If you start to feel uh, your partner pulling away or you're seeing a change in behavior or you're starting to get mixed signals, that's when self-soothing and self-regulation come into play. What are the things that you enjoyed to do on your own for yourself, by yourself, that empowered you, that helped you grow, that helped you stay strong as a single person? Because those are the things that I want to encourage you to fall back on when a partner pulls away or when they start to give mixed signals or when their behavior changes. Because I don't want you to create a story in your mind about what could possibly be going on on the other side of the social media account or on the other side of the cell phone when they don't text you back for a couple of days. And as I mentioned before, when I met an avoidantly attached person in the past, it's not confirmed, it's just, an, uh, it's just a story that I've created, is that in the time it took somebody to text me back 24 or 48 hours after I texted them, I found it really as a point of growth to see what I chose to do for self-soothing in that time. I chose to continue to go to jujitsu classes. I chose to continue to uh, pour my heart into my business. I chose to continue to do the things that I'm passionate about, like walking my dog around the park. None of those behaviors changed because I didn't hear back from somebody for 48 hours. What did change though for me is experiencing an avoidantly attached partner is that I started to create stories and make excuses for their behavior. Oh, they're busy. They have a life. They have a career. And those statements that you can make to yourself are great within the first few weeks. But if you start to see a pattern of behavior of like, hey, I've noticed it takes you two days to get back to me by text. It makes me feel like you're not that interested. 
is there any truth to that? And if they say, yes, I'm only a little bit interested because I don't know you that well, great. Then you know the truth and you get to make the decision that's best for you. Another securely attached behavior and tendency to come at and to empower yourself to, to recognize and remember that you can build a secure attachment as long as you begin to process your feelings and thoughts in that way of like, I just heard the truth from somebody I'm interested in. Now I get to make the decision that's best for me. So finally, a, a person with a secure attachment style can generally handle dating multiple people. Nevertheless, they can stay strongly aware of boundaries and goals and not be afraid to lay them on the table. Hey, here's what I'm looking for in a relationship. What are you looking for? That's a common, a common conversation that can come up in the first two to four dates, five dates, six dates. If you get that far into dating somebody and you're not discussing what you mean to each other, then you may both be tiptoeing around uh, your feelings and, and what's existing in the container between you. So lastly, I just want to address that. Are you stuck with your attachment style forever? Absolutely not. I'm a true testament that with work, with consciousness, and with a healthy approach to our dating experience, we can feel the securely attached relationship and um, dating experience that we've always dreamed of. But I want to be blunt. No one is an unchangeable rock. Like me, anyone can move towards an attachment style that fulfills them and gets the results they want. There's no such thing as a bad or a negative attachment style. But here's the thing. Your attachment style is a part of you. It's not the whole of you. You always carry the potential to show up to dates or job interview or that hard conversation with your mom as someone who is secure, learning, growing, and changing. But in order to change, you need time and research and to crush the self-care game. But that's the beauty of life, right? The more we learn and care about ourselves, the more we can learn, bond with, and care for each other. So here's a little bit of advice for every attachment style that we discussed today. These are some of my ideas of how any attachment style can apply to dating multiple people. When it comes to dating multiple partners, every person out there should want these tools in their kit. We'll start with the three W's. In any situation involving other people, these are something that really help connect you to your instincts and identify what to do next. What am I feeling in my body? Where is it coming from? And what do I need? I'll even throw in there a little bit at the end of like, and can this person I'm hanging out with meet those needs? Coaching or therapy is another tool in the toolbox. Take charge of your mental health. A reliable coach or therapist will help you identify and heal old wounds, cultivate a secure sense of self, and create healthy relationships that serve instead of sabotage like I've described today. I want you to re-examine your labels. Our human experience is so complex. It doesn't always fit a category or a label, and it is changing all the time. If you've listened to the podcast for the last three years, you'll know that. You might find as you grow, your style changes with you. That doesn't mean the label was wrong. All it means is that you're growing, learning, and moving closer to the attachment style that you want. And it's okay to put a pause on it. Uh, the question I get often from clients is how often they should be going on dates. And to be honest, there's no single rule about this. Trust your gut, trust your instincts. And if they're saying, I need a break from dating, then definitely take a break because it starts with you. You come first. And if you're not happy single, 
you're not going to be happy in a relationship. Again, as always, this is Dave Glazer in Denver, Colorado, wishing you health and happiness wherever you're at in the world. If you need support right now, please don't hesitate to apply for a free week of our group coaching program now. Click the link in the show notes below or in the bio of our Instagram account. Connect with us there. Shoot us a message and let me know what you thought of this episode. 